You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. Good morning, church. My name is Brian Lloyd, and my wife Melanie and I serve in our premarital counseling and counseling ministry here at Northway. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 27, verses 26 through 29. So please open your Bibles with me. And if you don't have one, there should be one under the seat in front of you. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came and he kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and he blessed them. And he said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Happy Father's Day. Uh, Happy birthday, if it's your birthday today. I don't know. Maybe it's your birthday. Last service, there was someone whose birthday is today. They were like, thank you for saying that. I'm like, okay, you're welcome. Uh, In case we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Menendez. I'm one of the ministers here on staff. I get to uh, lead and oversee our small groups, what we call gospel communities. I've been doing that for a little over two years, or almost two years, I should say, next month. And um, just uh, real quick, a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from California. I always like to ask anybody from California in the house. Okay, a few. All right. Awesome. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Uh, so originally from California, I moved to Oklahoma, uh, and that's where I met my wife, Christy. Uh, and uh, we have two kids, and uh, we have a daughter uh, that is 10 years old. Her name is Jubilee, and we also have a newborn. He's two and a half months old. His name is Cypress, and uh, he's the cutest thing ever. I mean, those chunky cheeks and snuggles are just the best. Uh, so that's a little bit about my family, and um, we'd love to get to know you uh, over coffee or phone call or, or conversation down the line uh, over time. So, um, okay, let's uh, dig in. We are, we are in Genesis chapter 27. You should by now already have uh, your Bibles opened, if you haven't already. Um, we are in Genesis chapter 27. We're going to continue our series. And just as a, as a reminder, we believe uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, right? Some of you know it by memory, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And because of that reality, therefore, it is, it's profitable, meaning it's useful for what? For various things, teaching, rebuking, reproving, training, equipping, right? So that the man and woman of God may be equipped for every good work. And so we believe that here at Northway, and because of that truth and that reality, we don't just pick and choose the topics we like to talk about. <laughs> we pick and choose books, entire books of the Bible, and we go through them systematically. We believe that that's a, a good, healthy preaching diet for our soul. And so we find ourselves in the book of Genesis. And if you are new today, welcome, by the way. We're glad you're here. If you're um, visiting us out of town, you're coming in uh, from somewhere else, thank you for joining us this morning. We are in the book of Genesis. And, and just a, a quick recap. Uh, it's important to keep the context in mind. A lot has happened already, right? 26 chapters, but chapter 12 is very important. Uh, those of us who are part of Northway, we know, we, we study this. Genesis chapter 12, uh, God 
calls a family. Chapter 11, right, Tower of Babel, he disperses the nations across the earth, but out of these nations, he chooses a family, Abraham's family. Not because they were amazing or perfect, but no, 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 because uh, they're sinful and broken, but he had a plan. He has a plan. He chose his family. He made a promise to Abraham that he would bless Abraham, his descendants, and that through him and through the, these descendants, God would bless the nations of the earth. That's a very significant uh, piece of the story. It's a very important promise. And so we're jumping in, into a story that's already uh, in progress. It's in motion, right? And so we keep that in mind because today uh, we're going to see another potential threat. Uh, in chapter 26 that uh, we saw last Sunday, we saw that there was famine in the land. Isaac faced Famine, and God intervened and provided and guided. And so in chapter 27, we see another potential threat. This time, it's the very same family that he chose. Isaac's family is, well, broken. Very broken. I mean, come on. You'll see that in a moment. So we get to zoom in a little bit on Isaac's family. The story of God continues. And keep in mind that promise. A blessing to the nations. So we will see in chapter 27 that Isaac's family is broken and everybody is at fault. I grew up uh, watching a show that some of you might be familiar with. It's called the WWE. <laughs> I no longer watch this, by the way. Uh, and if you do, uh, I'm not going to throw stones at you or anything. I'm not judging you. But I, I grew up uh, watching this show, WWE, when I was uh, young, as a teenager. There was this one wrestler that I really appreciated and in many ways looked up to like an idol. His name was Eddie Guerrero. Some of you guys might know who he is. Um, I looked up to this, to this man for many ways, for many reasons. One, he was Latino like me, white skin, black hair. I was like, hey, you look like me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so I kind of looked up to him. But uh, I bring up Eddie Guerrero because his introduction song uh, had a very interesting theme a very interesting motto, if you will. He, in this song, it said, I lie, I cheat, and I steal. And that just kept playing over and over again. And it, it, it got to a point where he was proud of that. I lie, I cheat, and I steal. In many ways, this is what we're going to see today in chapter 27. We're going to see a whole lot of lying, a whole lot of cheating, a whole lot of stealing. Uh, and we will see that man sins, but God's will prevails. If nothing else, you hear me from today, walk away with that truth, that man sins, but God's will prevails. Okay, so we're going to cover a lot of text. Are you ready? Put your seatbelt on, okay? Helicopter view. Uh, we could easily spend hours on this chapter if we're going to turn over every single stone. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to read the entire text as we kind of wake our, make our way through it. And so uh, hang in there with me. Are you guys awake? Are you guys with me? Yes, okay, just making sure. So chapter 27, a lot of texts, um, a lot of commentators break this down into five, five or so scenes. And the author, Moses, is very intentional in the way he organized this material. Uh, there is what is called a chiasmus, if I, spell that, if I pronounce that correctly. Uh, English teachers will probably correct me after, after the sermon, after the service. But basically this chiasmus is a literary device. Uh, in which words or concepts or, or phrases are repeated in reverse order. 
And so here, the breakdown of this chapter, the way we see it in our Bibles, is not the most helpful because really this episode begins with verse 34 of the last chapter. So we'll see that there is this mention of the Hittite women in, verse, in chapter 26, verse 34. And at the end of chapter 27, we're going to see this mention of the Hittite women. And so that's not coincidence. That's intentional on the author's part. So you see this beautiful literary device. And everything in between, five different scenes. Uh, we're going to see first in scene one, Isaac's request and Esau's compliance. In the second scene, we're going to see Rebecca and Jacob's deceitful plan. In scene three, we're going to see Jacob's blessing. In scene four, we're going to see Esau's anti-blessing. In scene five, we're going to see Esau's reaction, Esau's anger, and Rebecca's intervention. Okay? So this is a crazy family drama. A lot is going on. In Spanish, we would call this a telenovela. Okay? A lot of drama. A lot, of, a lot is going on. All right, let's look at the very first scene. Chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called, his, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he, he answered, Here I am. Verse 2, he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So here is the very first scene. This is the setting for the rest of the chapter. A lot is going on here. First of all, we're introduced to Isaac in this occasion. He's very old. Okay, we don't know exactly how old he is. But he knows that his death is on the horizon in some way. And so he's old and he has a request. What does he do? He calls Esau to come and he makes a special request. And he tells Esau, hey, go out into the field, hunt some game for me. Make me some delicious food such as I, I love. I would have probably asked for, to, for some Texan barbecue. What could I say? I've been converted. But um, Isaac is requesting that his older son, Esau, go out into the field and bring him some game. Now, what's wrong with this picture? Right? You see the older man. Get the old man some food. Come on. What's wrong with this picture? He's making a request. It all seems noble, right? There's a lot more going on here. If we have been reading the story thus far in the context, there's a lot more going on. For starters, it was custom uh, for that culture and in many Eastern cultures for the patriarch of the family to bring all of his sons, okay, and to bless them all in some way. Obviously, the firstborn would have a special blessing, being the firstborn. Um, and so he's going against uh, cultural customs by only calling his older son and not Jacob. One. Two, and most importantly, Isaac is going against God's will. How in the world do I get that? Well, just flip a few pages or flip a page in your Bible. Chapter 25, verse 23. What does it say? Context. Remember when Isaac prayed to the Lord, hey, my wife Rebecca, she's bearing, we don't have any children. Isaac asked, the Lord answered that prayer. 
Rebecca conceived and behold, twins. <laughs> Can you imagine that, right? Two for one special. And then the children in the womb, they were kind of struggling and Rebecca is wondering what is happening. She inquires of the Lord and the Lord responds to her. And so chapter 25, verse 23 the Lord tells Rebekah, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. Here's the key part. The older shall serve the younger. This is before the children did anything, right? In the womb. There is nothing that they could have done to earn this or that. This was God's plan, God's decree, the older will serve the younger, okay? And so Isaac is going against God's will. Why? Why is he only calling Esau to to get the blessing? Why? Well, in many ways, Isaac wants to bless his older son Esau, because there's actually something else happening. In the same chapter, chapter 25, verse 27 and 28, gives us a little bit of insight as well as to what was happening in the family dynamics when it comes to the parents. Chapter 25, verse 27 says this, when the boys grew up, meaning Esau and Jacob, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Verse 28, Isaac loved who? Esau. Why? Because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So what do we see here? We see good old parents' favoritism. One parent loved one son, the other parent loved the other. And so most likely, Isaac is being motivated by his favoritism and then calling Esau, hey, come, do this for me, satisfy satisfy my appetite, and I will basically bless you because of that. And so his love, in many ways, was conditional to his son's identity as a skillful hunter and his performance, right? Parents who are here in the house, like, We know that favoritism is not good. And so Isaac is being influenced by that reality. So he calls forth Esau. And what does Esau do? How does he respond? Esau doesn't doesn't say, hey, uh, dad, I actually sold my birthright. Uh, FYI, in case you didn't know, what what does Esau do? He actually goes, right? He goes into the field to do what his father has asked. Now, verse 5, okay, this this gets crazy. Verse 5, or before we get to verse 5, let me say a few more things. Why is this such a big deal, this blessing? This is not just like your ordinary blessing. Let's say me as a dad wants to bless my daughter Jubilee, and I pray for God to bless her. This is not an ordinary blessing of that nature. This is like tied to God's redemptive plan, God's redemptive purposes. This is the blessing that was supposed to go forth to all the nations. And here we have Isaac's family 
messy family getting in the way. Getting in the way. So this is the setting. This sets up the story. And it's about to get crazy, okay? So Isaac is going against God's will. Let me talk to us here in the room. Ever find yourself kind of going against God's revealed will? Maybe you're not struggling with the same things that Isaac struggled with, uh, especially if you're a parent. But in many times, and in many ways, if we're not careful, we can go against God's revealed will. And we might be tempted to um, go about it in our way, in our time. And to intentionally go against God's will will bring about unintended consequences that are real and dangerous to our lives and to our families and to our loved ones. And this is exactly what happens here in this episode in Isaac's family. There is more. There is unintended consequences that come as a result of all this sin and going against God's will. All right. So we looked at first scene, Isaac's request, Esau's compliance. And then verse 5, what happens? There's another character that comes to the scene, right? Rebecca, the wife. What was happening? Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Does this ring a bell? Does this sound familiar to you? It should, right? We've seen this before with God and Abraham. When God was talking to Abraham and telling him, hey, you're going to have a child next year. And Sarah was listening and she laughed to herself and she was rebuked for that because she didn't believe the Lord and his promise. Will Rebecca do anything any different here? She's listening. She knows God's decree, right? She has heard what God has commanded or decreed about the two sons and the older serving the younger. Is she gonna, what is she gonna do? How is she gonna respond? Is she gonna trust the Lord? Or is she going to take matters into her own hands. So verse 5 is a transition into scene 2, and Rebecca summons her favorite son, Jacob. Okay? So verse 5, Now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca, verse 6, said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game, prepare for me delicious food, that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats, so that I may, I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies." So what's happening here? The mom enters the scene. She knows about God's revealed will. And what does she do? She comes up with this, um, this crazy, deceptive plan. Very manipulative. The mom, she's supposed to be a role model, an example to Jacob. But what does she do? She comes up with this crazy plan. And she believes that she can... Prepare the same food that Esau can prepare. And she has the audacity to tell Jacob, hey, we're going to do this, this way. Crazy, right? She knows about God's revealed will. She knows what God has decreed 
And yet she goes forth with this manipulative plan. Now, how does Jacob respond? How does Jacob respond? In verse 11, But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Okay, let's just stop right there. The Bible has a sense of humor. Okay, this is not in the text. This is my own imagination. Can you, I can picture Jacob coming to Rebekah. My brother Esau, he's a hairy man, but I'm a smooth man. Or as my daughter Jubilee would say, maybe he used a vino lotion. I don't know. The Bible has a sense of humor, right? But, but Jacob, instead of objecting to Rebecca's manipulative plan, what does he do? What does he do? He's like, hey, uh, my brother, he's, he's a hairy dude. I'm a smooth man. And, we, and we, we keep reading. Verse 12, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my, um, on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So Jacob is not objecting on moral grounds. He's just, he's, he's afraid that he's going to get caught. What is this? This is self-protection, self-preservation at its finest. Jacob is not concerned about God's moral laws and decrees and God's will. He's afraid that he's going to get caught. Verse 14, he actually goes and does what his mother, mother has asked. Verse 14, so he went and took them, the goats, and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. This is a crazy, a crazy plan. It really is. And Rebecca came up with it. Right? And she, she has everything planned out. Everything planned out. And Jacob does not object. Jacob moves forward. And so what do we see here in scene number two? Rebecca and Jacob's deceitful plan. We see that they take matters into their own hands. Don't they? Rebecca knows about God's will, God's revealed will concerning the two, the two sons. And yet they take matters into their own hands. Dear family, we're going to be tempted the same way. In different ways, in different times, we're going to be tempted to take matters into our own hands. And even if when we know the final outcome of a situation or issue, we can be tempted to take matters into our own hands, to take shortcuts and to make, quote unquote, God's will happen. I've been tempted that way. Especially dealing with chronic illness for 14 years. I'm like, can I just go from point A to point B? Like, give me the shortest path. And I've been tempted to take shortcuts, to take matters into my own hands. Dear family, it, it doesn't work. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. In scene number three, we see Jacob's blessing, verses 18 to 29. So what happens next? This gets even more crazy, y'all. As, as, as of everything we just read, it's not crazy enough. It gets even crazier, okay? Verse 18, 
So he, Jacob, went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. What is happening here? Jacob, good old Jacob is lying. He didn't lie once. He didn't lie twice. He lied three times. Two of which he's li he lied about his identity, right? I am your son Esau. And to add to the mix, as if that wasn't enough, he throws God under the bus. He lies about God's help in this endeavor. He uses God's name in vain. You know what we call that? We call that blasphemy. And he, Jacob does this. He brings God into the picture in a negative way, throwing him under the bus, claiming that God helped him in this scheme. That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. And we continue to read forward, or continue to read, verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Uh-oh, right? Yikes. Will Jacob get caught? Verse 22, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. You see, you know, Isaac being old, right? His senses, he, he can no longer, he no longer has like full, a full capacity to judge and discern and assess. He's a little bit confused. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Verse 23, and he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's, brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Verse 24, he said, are you really my son? <laughs> he asked again. He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it to me, bring the food, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and drank. So Jacob at least so far, it seems like he, he has not been caught. The plan is working, right? He lies. He deceives his father. His father smells him, touches him, right? So you see, you see Isaac's like senses coming into the picture, right? But he, he doesn't quite see the fact that there is something else happening here. He thinks it's Esau. And he goes forward and blesses Jacob, believing that he has blessed Esau, his favorite son. And so we see the blessing in verses 26 to 29. Let's look at it. Then, I, then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. Ah, smells good. Field. <laughs> Game, hunting game, all that. And Isaac smelled, smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field the Lord has blessed. He's, uh, you know, attributing God's blessing to the field. He likes to smell. Verse 28, may God give you, and he's praying for God 
to do something. May God give you of the dew of heaven, the water that refreshes, and the fatness of the earth, right? The crops and all that, and plenty of grain and wine. You see this abundance. Verse 29 is key. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So you see here, we see here Jacob's blessing. God's blessing moves forward. It is transferred from Isaac to Jacob. But Isaac believes believes it's, it is Esau who is receiving the blessing. And so in the blessing itself, we see four parts. already looked at them. But key, the, 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 the part that, is, that stands out in many ways, verse 29, let people, let people serve you and nations bow down to you, be Lord over your brothers. This is a significant contribution to, the, to God's redemptive purposes. So far, we've seen how God has made a promise to Abraham and Isaac, right? This promise of blessing and descendants and land. And here we see this idea of lording, of ruling nations and peoples. And so many, you know, many commentators would say that this is like one of the first glimpses or hints at this idea of kingship. There's something else within the promise that God has made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's very important to note. Okay, so we've seen that last scene, Jacob's blessing. And then in verse 30, someone else shows up. Who could it be? Verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. I mean, this is intense, y'all, right? If you're watching this uh, in a theatrical performance, we will see Isaac and Jacob, right, in the main stage, right, probably in the middle. And then from afar, we will see Esau kind of making his way, right? And you'll be like, oh, my goodness, is Jacob going to get caught? What is going to happen? This is intense, y'all. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing, as soon as he had finished eating, as soon as Jacob had gone out of the way, right, out of the picture, Esau comes in from hunting. He's been out in the field. He's been hunting. He has brought something. He also, Esau, prepared delicious food. That probably took some time. I don't know how long. And brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Okay? So Esau doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't, right? He comes in from the field, and he's like, hey, okay, I have food for you. I prepared it for you. I'm here. Bless me. And then what happens? We read verse 32. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? Isaac doesn't even recognize his, his own favorite son's voice. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And then what happens? Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. How does Isaac respond? 
when he realizes what has happened. He trembles, right? Do you remember the scene in Exodus when the people of Israel are at the bottom of the, of the, of the mountain, the foot of the mountain, right? And there's lightning and thunder and a dark cloud. How did people respond? They trembled. It has this idea of fear and panic and anxiety. This is what Isaac is experiencing in this very moment when he realizes what has happened. He trembles. There's, so there's fear and panic. His plan to bless his favorite son has not worked. Has not worked. Okay? And in verse 33, he trembles. Okay? There's a key phrase in there, the last part of verse 33, yes, and he shall be blessed. So we know that up, up until this point, Isaac senses, you know, they're still there, but he doesn't have the full capacity he once had to discern and assess and judge appropriately. But in some way, at some point, Isaac ironically comes to his senses a bit. When he realizes, okay, this has been done, in Jacob, he shall be blessed. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us insight into this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. I think we'll have it on the screen. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. What? What in the world? So far in the episode, we've seen Isaac going against God's will, showing favoritism, right? But again, at some point, in some way, ironically, his, his senses, he comes to his senses a bit, and he realizes what has happened, and nothing is going to change. This will come to pass, not just because he pronounced it, but because God is in this. God is, is the one who has decreed this from the very beginning. And yes, he shall be blessed. And so Isaac, in some way, came to his senses and did this, blessed Jacob, and as we will see right now, blessed Esau. In verse 36, or verse 34, I should say, how does Esau respond? As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully. So here's where Isaac is realizing what has happened. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing." So Esau is responding. He is bitter. There is this growing sense of hate. He's trying to assess the situation. He says that Jacob, oh my goodness, Jacob, you have cheated me twice. And that's a play on words because Jacob means one who supplants, one who grabs by the heel, one who cheats. And so Esau is saying, hey, isn't his name rightly isn't, this, isn't his name like appropriate? He has cheated me these two times. Is Esau correct in his assessment? I mean, partly. Yeah, Jacob has played a part in stealing the birthright. 
But at the same time, remember Esau was the one who sold it. He sold it. And the author of Hebrews gives us more insight into this situation. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. What does it say? See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And this is verse 16, is what I, verse 16 and 17 is what I want to highlight for this particular chapter in Genesis. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy, like whom? Like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Esau did this. Esau played a part in this, right? He sold his birthright. He was more concerned about his appetite than the birthright and all that that entailed. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, which we are seeing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So the author of Hebrews connects two things for us, birthright and blessing. In the, in the original language, there's also a play on words there. Birthright and blessing. And so when Esau decided to give up his birthright, he also forfeited his blessing. But here, right, he's judging the situation. And he's only blaming Jacob for what has happened. He's not taking ownership for what he has done in his whole situation. So that's scene four. Scene five, we read in verse um, let's see, verse 41. But before we get there, right, he keeps asking, you have a blessing for me? Verse 37, Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you. Re reiterates what he has already said. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. This is an emotionally charged scene. Emotionally charged. Isaac went on and answered and said, Behold, away or by the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. Away or by the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from his neck. And so we see here Esau's anti-blessing. Okay? It's a big contrast to Jacob's blessing. Jacob would be in the abundant land and being refreshed and all of these good things. And Esau away or by these things. In contrast to Jacob, who uh, is promised to lord and to rule nations and, and, and peoples, Esau, he's going to live by, by the sword. So there's this hint of coming violence and war and fights and so forth. And so we see here an anti-blessing. And in many ways, the, 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 the essential thing here is that this is a big contrast. It reiterates what Jacob has received. And so in scene 5, verse 41, how does Esau respond to all this? Does he go about forgiving his brother? It's like, hey, no, it's, it's all good. He's my little bro. I'm going to forgive him. 
Verse 41, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Oh my goodness. This is crazy. He is now planning to kill his brother Jacob. This is intense, right? We see the family divided. There's tension. There's lying. There's manipulation. There's deceit. There's parental favoritism. There's this, you know, going against God's will. And the family is reaping the consequences. We see the two brothers not at peace with each other. And Esau wanting to kill his brother. Does this sound familiar to you? Remember the, the story of Cain and Abel, right? Esau is it's like another Cain here. He wants to take revenge, take matters into his own hands again and kill his brother. But what happens next? Verse 42, Rebekah comes into the picture. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, again, we don't see Rebecca go up to Isaac, have a good old conversation on what's happening. We don't see Rebecca go up to Esau, right? She calls her favorite son, Jacob. And she has another plan to get her way, to get what she wants. So she sent, called Jacob, her younger son. Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice for a second time. Arise, flee to Laban. Or Laban, however you want to pronounce that. Arise and free to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Rebecca intervenes yet again. Mom wants to protect her favorite son, she has a plan. Hey, Jacob, why don't you leave the house? Why don't you go to my family, my brother Laban, your uncle, for a few days, for a, for a while, until Esau's anger kind of, you know, fizzles away. And again, she, she's confident that this, this is going to work out. It's going to be all good at the end. And she has, you know, she expresses just how she feels. Like, I'm going to be losing, like, both of you in one day, be ref. It's this idea of, like, miscarriage, losing children. I'm going to lose both of you in one day. Verse 46 concludes this chapter. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. You remember how we started the chapter? Chapter 26, verse the last verse, the mention of Hittite women, here it is again. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? She brings this complaint to Isaac. And so you, this serves as a transition into the next chapter. And this chapter is left unresolved. What's going to happen to Jacob? What's going to happen to Esau? What's going to happen to this family? This family is broken, y'all. Broken. There's so much sin going on here. We have a father, Isaac, who's indifferent to his son's Esau's sin. And he has favoritism. We have a mother who intervenes 
but she lies and manipulates and even twists words and adds to it. The family is further divided. The sons are at war with each other. Jacob is exiled. He has to flee for his life. He leaves the comfort of home. And Esau grows bitter. There's hatred in his heart for his brother. He wants to kill kill his brother. This is a messed up, broken family. But in the midst of it all, man sins, but God's will prevails. God's blessing is transferred from Isaac to Jacob. Unfortunately, this family took matters into their own hands. But we see this broken family. How about us? How about our families? We also have our own brokenness. Before we cast stones on this family, our family is broken, right? Our families are broken. Relationships with our families are are hard. They're hard, aren't they? They're multifaceted. They're complex. Sometimes you try something out of good intentions and it backfires on you. We have been sinned against in some circumstances. And then we have sinned against others. Our families are broken. And so we need a better way. We need the true and better Jacob. There's another situation when man sinned greatly, but God's will prevailed. And that is the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. Man sinned greatly, but God's will prevailed. And so we see Jesus the obscured son who was truly rejected by God's people. We see Jesus, the one who did not sin, who lived perfectly. In him, there was no sin. In him, there was no deceit. And Jesus was tempted like you and I are. He was tempted to pursue glory, to take shortcuts by the enemy himself. And guess what? Jesus prevailed. He resisted the temptation. He is the true and better Jacob. And through him now, we have access to greater glory, to God, our Father. Through Jesus now, we have forgiveness of our own sin, of our own lying, of our own cheating, of our own manipulating. Through Jesus, we have adoption into God's family. So the blessing that was supposed to go out to all the nations, it still stands. It's here. It's for you today through Jesus. Through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Let's run to him. Family, let's run to him, the true and better Jacob. Now what about pursuing and doing God's will? God's will is for us to be saved. For us to know him through Christ, God's will for us is to be sanctified, to be holy. God's will is to be with us through the ups and downs of life, to provide for us, to comfort us. There's so many beautiful promises. But guess what? Even when we, knew, even when we know God's revealed will, that does not mean we should take matters into our own hands and take shortcuts. It doesn't work out in the end. Even if we don't get caught in the moment, that doesn't mean God approves of our sin. And brokenness. So there is no sin needed to achieve God's will in taking matters into our own hands. We need that true and better Jacob to heal us, to restore us, to give us forgiveness, especially in the context of family. 
because relationships are hard and family relationships sometimes are even harder. And so some of us today, especially on Father's Day, today is a hard day for some of us. We have wounds, we have pain, we have been sinned against, we have sinned against others. Maybe our parents have instructed us to do things that don't please the Lord. Maybe we have, we have sinned because of our parents' guidance. Or maybe we have hurt others. I, I know in a room this big, we have things that we carry in our hearts when it comes to our family relationships. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, offers us today a better way through Christ Jesus. He is the true and better Jacob. We run to him. Through him now we have access to our perfect heavenly father who loves us no matter what. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. There's so much more that we could have said. But you, God, um, you speak to us through your word and through imperfect vessels like me. I pray, God, that we will take what you have spoken to us, what you have stirred in our hearts, that we would take that with us and we will continue to pray and reflect and process and meditate and do business with you and do business with others, with our family members. You can help us. You empower us. So help us, oh Lord, because we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need your grace. We need your wisdom. We need your healing. We need your forgiveness. So empower us today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Northway Church. A podcast should never replace gathering with God's people to worship Jesus. So we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 11.15, and 4 p.m., and would love for you to join us as we encounter the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus.